on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. Inside the Thunder columnist, Cade Kimball joins the show to talk about factor fiction and the roster crunch for this season, plus some expectations for the Thunder, and we're going to give some hot takes on today's show, all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LO Thunderpod at gmail.com. You can even text the show, 405-963-3686. And on today's show, we're joined by Cade Kimball, who's an editor inside the thunder podcast host at inside the thunder.com as well. Cade, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be here making my debut. Thanks for coming on. And of course, we're going to go through a game of factor fiction. We're going to talk the roster crunch. We'll talk about expectations for this season and some hot takes as well. But Cade, Let's start with the roster crunch real quick, because that's, of course, what's going to be burning a hole in everyone's pocket right now. The Thunder have brought in a lot of guys this offseason, too many guys this offseason, and will have to make five cuts from this roster. I think we can all agree that the chopping block only really consists of, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Davis Bertans, Victor Oladipo, Jack White, Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, and then maybe Trey Mann as well. Of those names, if Sam Presti calls you up and says, Cade, I can't do this. The, decisions is, the decision is too hard. I need you to tell me the five to cut. Who are you picking? I think we start off with a Thunder veteran, Victor Oladipo, you know, played here in 2017. Uh, just kind of let him get paid to rehab. That's what he's going to do. Um, he doesn't have to be with the team to do so. So kind of doing him a favor there. Uh, Jack White, Josh Giddey's teammate, with Australia, good friend. I think he'll be a great pickup for somebody, but I just don't think he makes a Thunder uh, roster. Ty Ty and Garuba came here together, and they'll be leaving together. I think those two obviously are out. And then the fifth one is where it gets inter- interesting because you can wave JRE. You could try to look into shopping Trey Man. Can you get something for Berton's contract? You look around. I lean towards cutting JRE, but I think there's a world where they look into trying to potentially trade Trey Man for some kind of value and let him go cook somewhere else. Maybe somewhere he thinks he can have a better shot and having the ball in his hands and doing something. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Uh, with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, of course, financially, it, it's pretty easy to, to waive $1.9 million. Uh, I, I, I think that trading Trey Mann could be an option based on what he showed in summer league. And let's say he has a good preseason. And then you get a team that uh, is already lacking guard depth or maybe you know has something pop up in the preseason where they lack even more guard depth. Maybe they could take a shot on Trey Mann. I, I don't think that Bertans will be moved just yet, so I would I would take him away from the conversation. I would be really excited about Jack White if he was on a two-way deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is like on a standard contract level quite yet. Uh, I think that he can be a very valuable piece, though, especially with an organization like this one, if he was on a two-way deal, which is why I wish that you know they could have 
worked out a, a two-way deal, but they did sign him to that two-year deal, which has uh, non-guarantees on the second year and minimal guarantees uh, here this year. So it's a big training camp for him. He'll, of course, have FIBA and, and, and the preseason and training camp to prove uh, that he should be on a standard deal right away. So it's a great opportunity for him either way. But uh, I, I think ultimately when push comes to shove, you've got to move on from somebody. And, and I think that I would agree there. Ty Ty Usman, Garuba, you know, th- those just those guys just both make sense for, for getting waived here. I, I would ultimately lean with your same five, but I think that the toss-up would be Trey Mann and, and the trade value you can get from him uh, if you don't plan on him being a key part of your guard rotation. Uh, I, I think that the that the value of Trey Mann will not go up if you don't if you don't you know kind of plan on playing him at all. So you can cash out at the highest value right now on Trey Mann. And so then you get some return on your investment, but Trey Mann also gets to go to a destination where he'll be able to play more and, and thrive more and be in a situation where he, he at least has a shot uh, to, to grow. Maybe that shot can still come in OKC, which is why I wouldn't cut him right now and why I have your same five as my roster prediction. But that's going to be interesting to solve. And, and the Thunder are, are going to embrace that competition. And it's going to make preseason so much fun in Oklahoma City and they have a pretty good preseason schedule uh, to hammer all of this out but I, I think that I think that the biggest battle right now will be Jerry versus Trey Mann in the sense of what they value more of who they value more into in, into um, keeping in terms of um, who's been on the roster before I think that Victor Ladipo is cut and dry Ty Ty Usman Gruba are pretty cut and dry I know that the Usman Gruba newspaper article came out and uh it did somewhat sway some uh readers and some thunder fans but i think ultimately that 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 article just meant like they're going to give him a shot to to earn a spot and that's still going to be a very hard task to accomplish but at least he has a shot uh, and an opportunity to earn a spot nonetheless so who is it for you that you're going to be watching in training camp for for this team i i think that with jeremiah robinson earl another reason why i have him out the door, door personally is because when they drafted J-Will, I said on draft night on this podcast that those two guys are really redundant, and since then, J-Will's taken off, and Jerry's kind of fallen off a bit. So for you, what's what's kind of that training camp battle that you're interested in? I think one that, like, it's JRE still, obviously, but I think, like, what can you show other than, you know, because you, like you said, him and J-Will are really redundant in the way they play and what they provide to the team. How can JRE set himself apart and make him – of value for the, for the team to want to retain him. Like, how, how does he let the Thunder front office know, the staff know, hey, I want to be here and this is what I can provide? What does he try and show? What does he do differently? Um, and just kind of what mentality does he bring into training camp that, have, you know, maybe puts him on the Thunder's radar to keep him over, over say, Trey, man? And one thing that he does provide is, is the off-the-court stuff that we can't see. And so it could get to a point where you know, JRE is the one who survived this roster crunch and some fans are left wondering how. And the bottom line is, he's a really good locker room guy. He's really good, you know, as, as a guy to rally around this team. And so they like him a lot. And that could be the difference. That could be uh, the deciding factor for for spots on the roster where, uh, you know, of course the Thunder will play that deep. They'll go that deep in their rotation. But in general, you know, the, those spots are not incredibly valuable uh, around the NBA very often. But for the Thunder, of course, it's a bit of a different circumstance. So those are the roster crunch guys that are on the block. And so your final cuts 
Victor Oladipo, Jack White, Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Is that what you feel yeah. comfortable with? That's what I'm comfortable with because I mean the 15th man. How much? How many minutes are they really going to get other than like the the position of second chances? So I'm not I'm not expecting too much from the 15th man anyway. So I'll go with that five. Who barely made the roster for your from your five? Who who just was the last one that you saved? I mean, it's got to be Trey Man. I think it really comes down to JRE. You know, his only value really coming from you know being a leader. If that's it, and you want to take the upside and Trey Man, he barely makes it for the simple fact that he's got that upside, and you don't want to give up on a potential bucket getter so young. Let's dive into our expectations for this Thunder team. Let's play fact or fiction. Let's give hot takes all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at FanDuel, folks. That's right. FanDuel, it's incredible because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that they win a regular season game. You just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you get bonus bets for every victory throughout the season. That's a way that you win long-term if your team actually does go in the Super Bowl who you picked, but also short-term as they continue to win uh, regular season games and you can use those bonus bets to bet on spreads and prop bets and over-unders and more so go to fanduel.com right now fanduel.com slash locked on and you can go pick who will win the super bowl and then get bonus bets back for every win that they get in the regular season the kansas city chiefs are of course the super bowl favorites and you can bet on Mahomes to do it again if you want to at fanduel america's number one sports book that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel.com slash locked on We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe on all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. And also follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. We're joined today by Cade Kimball, editor at Inside the Thunder, podcast host at InsideTheThunder.com as well. Cade, let's get your expectations for this Thunder team. For, from your standpoint, where are the Thunder at? Are they a playoff team? Are they a play-in team? Or are they in this third category where they could get into the play-in, but it's going to be a heck of a fight in the West? I'll give them in that third category in a positive way. I think how you measure their success this season isn't necessarily they made the 60, they made the 5 seed. That's a great season. It's more so... They got 42, 43 wins, and it was better than last season. And what they put on the court this year can be can be built off of really easily to going on next season and next season. And kind of just like a, kind of what last season was in the sense of you're establishing the frameworks, except for this time you have Chet, you have Mitchich, you have Wallace, you have all these new guys. You're bringing them in. You're immersing them to the system. And you're kind of putting together the – almost you're polishing the, what you want the final product to look like, but in the early stages. You're really kind of honing in on your idea of where this team's going to go, what they're going to do, and who's going to play a big part in that. And I think that's what the season is more so than like, let's go out there and win 45 games. I don't think they're going to be shooting for a certain win total. I think they're going to roll out with what they want to roll out with, let whatever happens, happens. And I think that ultimately ends up in about 42, 43 wins right around that area of they can make a play, play in spot. They can make a playoff spot at the six seed. Who knows where, how much parity there is in the West, you know, who lands where with what win total. But I think evidently all it comes down to is 40, 41 wins or more getting that 500 record or better and really just measuring your success. And what do we have? What are we building off of? It's going to be interesting. I think that a lot of people have the Thunder in that playoff category. 
a lot of people have them in the, well, they're not going to be any worse than uh, the play-in. And then, of course, they could still be fighting for a play-in spot with the West. If everyone, if everything uh, goes right for other Western Conference teams, the Thunder, you know, somebody's going to have to be left out. I, I think that you're right in the sense of no matter what, no matter where the Thunder fall in those three levels, they're not going to be any worse than that. Like, they're going to be in play-in contention or better. They're going to be better than last year. The record might not catch up to that, but they're going to be better than, than than next year. If you watched all the 82 games last year and you watch all the 82 games this year, you're going to know which team you'd rather have. But they're still going to experiment with lineups. They're still going to uh, experiment with rotations. They're still going to play deep into their roster. And they're trying to get a lot of new guys on board at the exact same time. It worked last year, but every year is different. Progression isn't linear and all the other catchphrases that, and, 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 and words you want to use to describe this. Integrating Chet and Mitchich and all these guys, Casey Wallace, all these guys into the fold is going to be a difficult task. Now, last year's team made it look incredibly easy. This year's team could be the same. It could not. Who knows? I think ultimately the reason why I don't have them in the fighting for a playing spot and I have them closer to that first tier than the third tier would be because – during the course of the regular season, I can guarantee you that the Thunder are going to try to win, and tr- and, and they're going to care about the game. They're going they're going to have energy. They're going to have their best guys that are healthy on the floor. And I can't guarantee you that for most teams in the NBA. I also think that even though there's a lot of new faces and you're going to have to gel together and grow together and get chemistry together, at the end of the day, there are some really good players on this roster, and whenever you can play 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 really good players on this roster, it's going to be hard to have a night where you just don't have it. There are some teams, including teams that people would project to be better than the Thunder, who are depending upon two or three or four guys. And yeah, if those guys don't show up that night, you've just lost the game. Whereas I think that the Thunder will have an advantage of not only caring and, and, and playing hard in the regular season, but also in the regular season, just shuffling through their, their, their Rolodex of players to eventually find the right combination to have that third quarter run, to come back in a game, to be able to uh, hold off a team and win in the fourth quarter. And so I think that that will give them a big leg up as well. But but ultimately, n- none of the three, in my opinion, are, are crazy takes. Like if you think that the Thunder will be fighting for the plane and might not make it, if you think that they have solidified a playing spot, if you think that they're a playoff team, the pathway to get to all three are incredibly realistic for this Thunder team, which is what makes this season so much fun, in my opinion. It's, it's sort of like that 2020 season, but in a very complete opposite way. You're still rolling out with zero expectations in a team that's going to be fun to watch. And kind of to your point, you talk about can they kind of bring these three guys in and make it work. And I think you're bringing in Kaysen Wallace and Mitchich, who have been both like complimented in their IQ, their their ability to make you know consistently good plays. And that's what the Thunder are looking for. Obviously, they're going to be able to immerse that much easier and kind of keep the flow of the game going. And then Chet Holmgren is just a great, great instinct guy. He works really hard, and it's hard to bring that into a team and just have that fail. So I think in that sense, I think that bringing those three guys in and being a better team is just definitely going to happen. I think where I land in my my positioning is like, what's going on with the rest of the West? Because in the Western Conference, there's not necessarily bad teams. Like even the Houston Rockets, who were the, the bottom team last season, they're trying to win. They got Fred Van Fleet. They got Dylan Brooks. They're, they're making moves to try and win. 
And the, what if that team outlasts the Thunder by a game or two games? You know, there's just, like I said, so much parity. I think it really relies on mostly on the rest of the league and where, where the rest of the Western Conference goes, whereas the Thunder are going to be fine with whatever result they get as long as they look better on the court. Now, I'm going to have you do the same homework assignment that the listeners have been doing this week and continue to do this week on today's YouTube comment video, and I'll read them all tomorrow. And, of course, you'll be giving this homework assignment due today. You're, you're going to have to do it a day early. And I can't give my opinion yet because it's about tomorrow's show. But since we're on expectations, in your opinion, if you close your eyes right now and, and imagine and envision this Thunder season and everything goes correct, everything is perfect, they're, they're, it just lines up beautifully for OKC. And everything goes their way. What is the best outcome for this season? What what is their tippity top ceiling if everything goes their way? I want to just say 46, 36, and a top six seed. If everything was perfect, things roll out perfectly with the rest of the standings. I think you go 46, 36, be a top six seed and secure yourself a playoff series. I think ultimately, if you can do that this young and like Presley said last season, establish yourselves, that would do exactly that by coming out here saying we're a young team, but we're going to keep climbing each year, each year in and out. We're a playoff, where we're a play-in team. We won as a 10 seed, you know, advanced to the next game. Obviously they lost, but we're going to establish ourselves at the next level. We're going to make the playoffs straight out, straight up outright. And I think, and in the perfect world, that's all this season really is. It's be better, make a playoff spot, and you know maybe give a give a top three seed, you know, a little bit of trouble in that in that series too. That is a interesting best case scenario. I'll give, of course, mine on tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that. And of course, in the comments, drop below your best case scenarios for the Oklahoma City Thunder in this season. While we're talking expectations, while we're talking about best case scenarios. KW also given you the assignment of giving a hot take on today's show. What what is your hot take for this Thunder season? There's been a lot of conversation about SGA lately. And can he replicate what he did last season? Is he better than Luka Doncic? Where does he land among the tier of NBA players? So I'm going to say he does improve next season. Maybe not statistically in points per game, but I think he gets even more efficient. I think I think a 50, 40, 90 could be in the ballparks with uh, with improved spacing, improved IQ, like higher IQ provide and how Josh Giddy might get better at you know penetrating a defense and getting Shea open for a catch and shoot three he's he's really selective with how he shoots threes or when so I think ultimately hitting that 40 percent tier isn't necessarily like he made a huge improvement more so he's getting quality looks being even more selective when he shoots them hitting that 50 40 90 tier and becoming a top four MVP candidate my hot take for this Thunder season is going to be the same one that I rolled out on your podcast inside the Thunder which you can go listen to uh right now Lou Dort is going to shoot 37% from beyond the arc. I think that this season has to be the season where Lou Dort puts it together offensively. Me personally, I've been saying all, all along, hey, he looks bad on offense right now, but whenever this team is cooking and when this team has all the pieces around him and he gets pushed further and further down the ladder of offensive options, he's going to look more efficient because he's always shot in the three ball well in the corner. He's always shot, you know, around 40% from three in the corner or better outside of his rookie season. And so his role being reduced to this drive and kick option in the corner will help him feel and look a lot more impactful offensively and couple that with what he does defensively. You've got a really, really good basketball player in Lou Dort. So I think that the improvement in his efficiency 
will stem from him no longer being the second most aggressive offensive option on the team. And that will help him a lot. Uh, you know, as these guys mature around him and get more aggressive along with Shea, he should be pushed down that ladder. And it's kind of a make or break year in that category, in my opinion, for Lou Dort. If, if you can't find a role on this Thunder team to be effective offensively, you might just not find that role ever. I mean, this team makes it easier than any other team arguably will, you know, maybe with the, with the, maybe the Nuggets might with Nikola Jokic. Like that might be the only team that makes it a little bit easier for an offensive player like Aaron Gordon who can't shoot very well to be impactful offensively. Luthor's not that big. And you can't do the same things around the rim as Aaron Gordon. But you're playing with a team that, you know, it's very balanced. It's very even. Shea's going to penetrate in his own unique way. Same for Giddy. Same for J-Dub. They're all going to find different ways to attack a defense. Chet Holmgren, obviously, a lob, lob threat. He's going to stretch the floor. You know, th- there's a lot of versatility offensively in the starting five. And if Lou Dort's your fifth, like, you're playing off four guys that play very different ways that's going to bounce off each other. you got to find a way to stay in that mix, make it feel natural. Because if, you, if you're breaking the offensive rhythm with that four, you might have to think about, can we bring in a case in Wallace as a spark? Can he he hit fit the fit the bill a little bit more and bring in Lou Dort when we need a stopper? Or is it Mitchich? Or, you know, look at different options elsewhere to keep that flow going, that momentum going offensively, and kind of really maximize your lineup. Because at the end of the day, how you start a game is incredibly important. I know the Thunder, you know, would come back plenty of times getting down. But ultimately, if you can start off the game, you know, in rhythm and flow, in control of the pace, you know, everything you want, why not do that? And so if Lou Dort's not providing that, why not look elsewhere for that in the starting lineup? Coming up, let's play another game of fact or fiction with Cade Kimball. We're back on today's Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. On today's show, talking with Cade Kimball about the roster crunch, expectations, hot takes, and now a game of fact or fiction. So I'm going to give you a prompt, and you just say if it's fact or fiction and tell me why. Prompt number one, Usman Jang will be an impactful rotational player for this year Thunder team. Fact or fiction? I'll lean fact. I think I think he's finally going to find his footing in the sense of he knows he's a connector. He knows that if he plays off of everybody else, he'll fit the mold, mold of the offense much better. And things will be made easy for him. And that's all it's really about is how can you get the easiest basket available? How can you make life easier for yourself and for your teammates? And I think playing that connector role, driving when you need to drive, settle for a catch and shoot three, if that's the best look the offensive getting, is getting that, that possession, simply just immerse yourself in the offense and be aggressive in it. You know, catch it and, you know, make a quick decision. Have that high IQ that Presti and Dagnall want to see. And then since we catch it, drive, kick. Whatever you need to do, do it quickly, do it efficiently. And I think he'll find his footing as a connector this season. Okay, fact or fiction. Alexei Pokashevsky will be on this Thunder roster at this date next year on August 9th, 2024. I'll go fact because they're going to rely on the fact that he's he's a decent backup rim protector. I mean, he's decent in that. And unless they get a high draft pick in a good center that they really want, or if they unless they somehow find a stumble upon a backup center, they're gonna they're gonna leave him there for that role outside of Jalen Williams for kind of comfort. Even if he's your third in the rotation there and he's your backup power forward. You kind of like that level of comfort he brings. He's familiar with the system. Are you going to take a flyer if you're trying to make the playoffs on somebody that might not mesh in the system, or are you going to take somebody who knows the system and still just hasn't come around in the system? I think 
what he showed last year, particularly in November, December, the early stage of the season pre-injury, he showed that he can be a real NBA player and make a real impact. He shot the ball well. He was rim protecting well. He looked more like an NBA player making sound decisions. I think he continues on that trend, continues on that path, and he kind of establishes himself as a, a Thunder player and what they want. Fact or fiction, Josh Giddy will take another leap from beyond the arc this season, if you recall. In his rookie season, he shot uh, his rookie season shot 26% from three, which everyone was up in arms about. Second year last year, 32% from three. Will he have another jump in him after working with Chip England again? What do we consider a jump? Like one to two percent? Does that have to does that have to I would be say I would say at least three percent. I'm gonna go with fiction then. I think he'll land in that 32 to 34 percent right around there. But I think I think he'll he'll be a better shooter. I really do think he will. But I think he'll become a better shooter and start to experiment with what kind of shots he likes to take. You know, if you really want to space the floor, you have to shoot some contested shots, some some not not some of the greatest looks. And I think he'll kind of fall on that a little bit more this season to try and find that comfort. So it might take another season or two to come around. But I think we'll see the promise. Kind of like it's kind of like how the team is. You'll see the promise. You'll see you'll see the idea of what they're going for, but it won't fully come around just quite yet. Fact or fiction? As we ranch up the tempo in the i should say the heat on these questions fact or fiction sga is better than luka Doncic. we'll go fiction for now i think i think sga needs another year to establish himself i really think he does if if luka goes another season kind of just coasting the, the way his career path is going where he's it's a heliocentric offense everything kind of revolves around him and he does well on that offensively but there's no effort on defense and it's not really winning you a ton of games like it did back when they made the Western Conference Finals. If it's not winning you a ton of games, at what point do you need to switch things up and become more – I don't really want to say a team player because he is the team. That's all that, that there really is in that foundation. But, like, sacrifice defensively. Put yourself out there. You know, be a leader by example, kind of like Shea is. And if Shea takes another step at either efficiency, the team gets better, and he, he remains the same same level of efficiency, same points per game, I think you have to start leaning Shea. And since he's more impactful everywhere else, except for maybe he might be a little less hard to stop for the defense. But I think SGA really just needs one more year to decide that for himself. I think it's really up to SGA if he's going to take a leap or not. Or I don't know if Luka Doncic has another huge leap in him, like like we saw from SGA these past couple of years. So I'll lean no for now, but just for now. Fact or fiction, Chet Holmgren wins rookie of the year? Another hot take. We'll say fact. Why not? Um, what, he, what he'll do to, to impact winning might be huge. And I, I look back at, like other rookie of the year winners. I mean, you look at someone like Scotty Barnes. He helped his team win games and make a playoff push. If if Chet Holmgren can kind of get the Thunder into that sixth sixth seed category in that range, and he's making a, a serious impact in the entire starting lineup, why is he not there? It's all narrative-driven. If he's driving wins, he's being an impactful, positive player. And say Wimby gets up to a, a, a rocky start because his team evidently won't be the best when he starts his career. And that, that team needs another year or two to decide what they need to put around Wimby. We don't know what they want out of him yet. If you look closely, they're listing him as a forward. They want him to play forward this year. That that's very experimental. He's seven foot four, seven foot three, wherever he's listed. That's really experimental to have him at the forward playing face up, playing off the wing. There might be a lot of turnovers. It might be kind of reckless at first. It might take him time to get adjusted to something like that. Factor fiction. J dub is the second star on this team. I'm going to go fiction again, but just for now, again, like I said earlier, just for now, I think Giddy, Giddy and J-Dub are both due for jumps. Giddy is still so young, 
Another year under his system, like I said, more confident shooting the three. Efficiency on the three ball might not be better, but I think Giddy gets better and using his frame like we saw in the latter half of last season, using his frame, using what works for him to become a better player, playing off Shea, which he obviously, again, last season got way better as the season went, as the course of the season ran. So I think we see that again from him. I think Jadub, obviously, within the Thunder system and what they've got now, has a higher potential with the team. But I think Giddy, being as young as he is, taking another leap isn't out of the cards, but I think if you're looking over the course of two to three years, Jada's the long-term second star on this team. Yeah, Josh Giddy's improvement last year, I think, went under the radar a bit because of how good J-Dub was, because of how good mm-hmm. SGA was. But he actually really got a lot better last year and will just continue to impress. And I cannot wait to watch him in FIBA next week. Uh, and for Shea, you get to watch him in FIBA tonight. So make sure you tune in to that as well. Factor Fiction, we're going to look back on this FIBA tournament and say it really helped all of the big four get better. Fact, they're all young. They're all just playing basketball. And at the end of the day, getting games really matters. And you're playing high-level talent. You're playing with high-level talent. You're watching if you're Shea and a couple NBA champions go to work every single day. And you're seeing the process of what it takes to be an NBA champion. And, you know, kind of what their workflow looks like in the in the daily, daily lives. So I think, and you look at everybody else, they're, they're seeing the same thing of just NBA-level players and their preparation. And they're, they're kind of seeing new ideas. And they're working – like like the scrimmages against them, they're working every single day against them, which iron sharpens iron. And then just playing at high-level basketball that's meaningful. They're playing meaningful basketball. Shea, has, he's played playoff games. He's played a playing game. But these games really do matter because Canada might be the best team in FIBA. They're, they might be pushing it. So playing real meaningful basketball, it'll help all of them. And then J-Dub and Chad, they're, they're fighting for a roster spot. If a replacement's needed, it might not be. But those two just love the hoop. Factor Fiction. Kaysen Wallace will be able to defend elite scores this season. I'll say fiction because we won't – I don't know if we'll get the answer because you have a Lou Dort and you have even a Jalen Williams who's a great point of attack defender with room to grow to grow in that aspect. I just don't think we see enough to know. I, I think that it might be in there somewhere and it, it might take time. It might take a few games for him to really kind of catch up to the pace of the game. I think he'll provide great value off the ball as, as a ball hawk and finding the passing lanes and – disrupting that i just don't think we see it enough i don't think we see him guarding the lebrons we don't see him guarding the curries i think he's more on the clay or or the second star and kind of just there to disrupt things like i said factor fiction jay will will continue to shoot the ball from three at a high clip now i'm not necessarily going to hold you to 40 percent, but a, a clip that we say okay yeah that's really good for his position because of the looks he, the team generates for him i'll say fact he gets really good looks, pick and pop, whatever it is, and he just looks so comf- confident and comfortable doing so. It doesn't look wacky. It doesn't look like out of the ordinary. It looks like he's doing this with confidence, and as long as he keeps that confidence up, he's got the backup center position secured. You know, he's rolling. You know, he's yelling boom every single time the arena is behind him. 37% or above, it, it's really good, but it might be that might not be that far-fetched. Factor fiction, the Thunder are the drippiest team in the NBA. That's easily a fact. All of them. They're young. It's, it's Thunder U. It has to be. Factor fiction, I'm the best 2K player in Thunder Media. We'll go, we'll go undecided for now. We have to have a, That's few, crazy. Uh, a few more a few more tournaments. We have to have a few more tournaments. That's crazy. Going for a little bit. Nick Crane can't hold me. DP can't hold me. You can't hold me. We'll, we'll That's crazy. We'll That's crazy. Going. That's your worst take of the pod. That's your worst take of the pod. Okay, let them know they can find you and what you're cooking up. Find me on Twitter at Kid Kimball. Find me. OKC Thunder FN, find Inside the Thunder on there. We'll have podcast live. We'll have daily updates, coverage, whatever you need. 
anything thunder you can find it over there um we're gonna be brewing some coffee this coming season plenty of it me and rylan will be ready to go that's all i'm gonna say we'll be ready to go let's brew something up Cade. thank you again for joining us and until tomorrow be good be good to one another